Welcome back, family and friends. I'm so glad you've tuned in. There is so much going on these days. I'm working on some exciting things behind the scenes that I'll roll out shortly. In the meantime, thank you for your support and listening, liking, subscribing to the Church Public Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Get ready to change the world. All right, friends, we have a lot going on this week, burning Bibles, canceling history, and canceling everything else, and two men named Lewis. In Portland, where rioting has basically not stopped for weeks, fires are not uncommon during this unrest. On July 31st, however, along with the usual burnings, they burned the American flag and then pulled out a stack of Bibles. Um... The American flag signifying the hate of America, that is actually not that uncommon these days. But the fact that they pulled out the Bibles to burn, I think, is significant. I've for weeks now talked about how people hate God. Burning the Bible is perhaps one of the most aggressive symbols against God that a person can participate in. Truth is hard. Truth is difficult to digest. People need to destroy God because they need to destroy the truth. God is truth embodied in the very person of Jesus Christ. If you know you're not making the right choices and you know there is a truth out there that reminds you of the fact that you make mistakes, you've got to get rid of it. The Bible is, to some, the evil book on which America was founded and as such must be burned along with the flag. As we've discussed before, This is all an attempt to throw off the authority of God. If you accept that someone or something else has authority over you, you have to acknowledge when you make a mistake. You have to take personal responsibility. But if you remove whatever holds you to that responsibility, then you can never be wrong. And of course, all of us want that. It feels terrible when you're wrong. It feels terrible when you make mistakes. I get that. You get that. We all understand that. No one wants to be wrong. No one wants to make mistakes. We, we hate living in that space. And yet the reality is sometimes we are wrong. Sometimes we don't make all the right decisions. I can admit that. Maybe you can admit that. But for some, it's hard to admit when you make mistakes. And this is not a new problem. This is the nature of humanity. This is what we've been talking about for several weeks. It's the nature of our brokenness, that we're born with a problem. The problem is we make mistakes. And this is in direct antagony towards some people who say we're born good. And if other things and systems and and structures would get out of the way, everything would just be wonderful. But the writer of Psalms Two, the very second psalm, thousands of years ago, wrote this. Wrote Psalm 2 2. The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, his chosen people, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. In other words, even the people of that day, thousands of years ago, did not want to be held accountable to God, to these rules that God was imposing so they thought upon them they would say we don't want god to rule over us and again this has all happened before none of this is new the russian revolution the maoist takeover the french revolution we've, we've looked at all of these things and uh, just to spend a couple minutes back on the french revolution most think of this historical event only through the lens of the popular play and then movie les mis les miserables 
everyone sings and it's wonderful and glorious and then they all live forever on the barricade singing in harmony for all eternity. Sadly, the truth about the French Revolution was quite different, especially for the religious part of their society. And we don't hear about this. And unfortunately, because of history uh, not being taught anymore, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, most people don't know what actually happened in the French Revolution and how many people died in the French Revolution and how many people were persecuted in the French Revolution, especially in the religious community. One of the first things that happened during the French Revolution was the state took over churches. They all became state churches. Church priests or pastors were made employees of the state. And what that means is once you're an employee of the state, you have to do what the state tells you to do. So if you don't agree with what the state is doing, if you think the state is doing something that is against, for instance, the Bible, then you get banished or worse. At least 30,000 priests were exiled or banished or worse during the French Revolution. That's a lot of pastors. That's a lot of priests. And the current climate where people are not only burning Bibles in the street, the police are being outlawed. The government heads of these districts are romanticizing the whole ordeal. The mayor of one of these cities called the Chop, the Chaz, this full expression, the, the summer of love, they said, totally ignoring the violence, the walls this uh, establishment had, this anti-establishment really had put up and the murders and other atrocities that were taking place there. And it goes to be said that the Bible has been used by bad people over the centuries to hold power, to keep power over people. That's true. And that's terrible. But the truth of the Bible is something that has empowered people through the centuries. It has empowered people to take their rightful place in the kingdom of God. In fact, the Bible has been one of the things that has empowered women and freed slaves more, more than any other thing across the world across time. It has given people a voice who had no voice in a better and different way than any other thing in the history of civilization. And uh, we can spend a lot of time talking about that. I can give some examples of that, but I'll, I'll do that at a, at a later time because I know when I get too historical, your eyes glaze over. But the truth of Jesus, that's my point. That's what I want to talk about. It is the ultimate power to heal, to help. Jesus, in fact, is the only thing that can change this world for the better. Our politicians, our teachers, our science experts, other leaders, they're not the answer. And so, as I was talking about history a moment ago, in other news, there continues to be a decline in morality and in even reality in schools we're removing history at an incredible rate. I saw a report a couple of weeks ago where they interviewed two school teachers. Now, I know there are good school teachers out there. I know that there are. These particular two were not great teachers. One of them said, I don't teach what's in the textbook of history. Instead, I teach them about certain activist issues and certain important issues of the time. We don't even, in fact, open the textbook. This is what this teacher said. These are the people that are educating our children. And again, there are good teachers out there. I, I'm very close to one in my family, in fact. But there are also teachers that aren't teaching history. In Illinois, a state representative has called upon 
the Illinois government officials to abolish history classes in the schools, arguing, quote, those classes foster white privilege and a racist society, end quote, and that this, quote, curriculum unfairly communicates our history, end quote. This is a dangerous game to remove or alter history. Some would say those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Obviously, as it comes out, I love history, but I love it practically. I love it for the lessons we learn from it so that we can grow and get better. We can even learn from the atrocities of the past to remember never to do those things again. There have been terrible things in history, no doubt. No one would argue that. It's our job to learn about the history, to teach the history, so that we can all know, don't ever do that. Rather than make the same mistakes again, which apparently as humanity we're doomed to do, let's learn from those things that we've done so poorly and not do those things anymore. This is a dangerous game of removing our history, and it has been tried before, and it has never end well. Again, see these different revolutionary movements. More than anything, people have lost freedom and lost life by the removal of history. In, uh, in another place, there was a congresswoman who called for the removal of a statue in the Capitol. Um, this just happened last week. It was a statue of Father Damien. Um, and this particular congresswoman said, we need to remove this because it's an example of patriarchy and white supremacy. The reason I want to talk about Father Damien is that he was a priest who was in fact sainted by the church because of the good that he did. I had, for whatever reason, the chance to read uh, the book Father Damien um, when I was in school. But I know most people haven't, I don't know why, but most people hadn't heard about it. He was a guy who loved people. I would say he loved people more than he even loved himself. The people that he loved actually lived in Hawaii. Now, you say on the forefront, I want to go have a nice, cushy station in Hawaii. I mean, Hawaii is a great place, right? And that sounds wonderful until you realize the people that he loved were on an isolated island. And in fact, they were banished to that island because they were all lepers. It starts sounding not as good, right? So he loved these lepers so much that he ministered to them, he loved them, he cared for them so much to the point that he himself contracted leprosy and died for his love to this leper colony. He wanted to share the love of Jesus, the eternal hope that he had with them so much that he died for them, literally. That sounds like something noble to do. I'm not sure I could do that, I'll be honest. That's, that's incredibly challenging to say, yeah, I would love someone so much that it's going to literally cost me my life, giving up my life so that they can know peace and they can know joy and they can know comfort and they can know Jesus. I'd like to think I'd do that, but that's a hard thing to ask. Much harder than calling out condemnation on a statue or history. It's really harder to do a thing than to condemn it. We need to understand this history, not just to avoid repeating it, but so that we can make informed decisions about our future. Our past is something that is all at the same time good and bad and ugly, but denying the totality of the past because of a, some bad things, it's myopic and it leads us to dangerous places. 
as we've talked about. If you want more, I mean, read George Orwell's 1984. It's both informative and terrifying all at the same time. Well, here's a quote from, from the book. The past was erased, the erasure was forgotten, and the lie became the truth, end quote. That's George Orwell's take on erasing the past. And it's quite true. And it's a chilling look at what could happen if we continue to go down this road and we continue to erase things that we don't like looking at. These are important things. They're important things to remember and learn from and change so that we don't do them again. And in church culture, another thing that happened this week is two guys named Lewis. The first was John Lewis. He was a Democratic congressman, um, and he was laid to rest last week in Georgia. And, uh, you know, we send condolences to his friends and family. Um, we pray for him and his family and, and hope that they're doing okay. And obviously every life lost is mourned and celebrated. He had 10 celebrations, 10 ceremonies, memorials across five cities. And that's fine. Uh, he lived a long life. He accomplished incredible things, including march, marching with Dr. Martin Luther King. I mean, he, he was incredible uh, earlier um, in, in the last century on the things that he accomplished um, for civil rights. And in fact, um, many prominent politicians have numerous and lavish memorial ceremonies. But the only strange thing about this series of services is the fact that other people across the country are either prohibited from having a funeral service at all right now or even having 10 people at a funeral. And there were several packed services. Um, here in California, we're prohibited from having any people indoors at a church service. And this was a church service. It's these kinds of double standards that are kind of hard to swallow. Um, and, and again, I, I pray for Representative Lewis's family and, and friends, and I do wish them condolences. I am sorry for their loss. Every loss of life is a tragedy, and every soul is eternally valuable. But it's this bending of the rules for some that makes their, this arbitrary uh, rule gathering hard to understand. We're under lockdowns here in California, and many are unable to work. Not that they don't want to. They simply cannot. I have friends and relatives that are employed in fields like food service or cosmetology that cannot work based on the current regulations. In New York, the mayor just announced that indoor dining will be closed through June 2021. In Washington, there is a mandatory 14-day quarantine for anyone traveling from Georgia where this service, this last service was held. And there were dozens and dozens of representatives and politicians that attended this service. And they were excused from this mandate. So it's confusing. Is the virus going to kill everyone or only if you're a certain person or in a certain place? These double standards call into question the reality of the need for lockdown. Either it's a horribly deadly virus, and by breaking the lockdown rules, we're all going to die, or it isn't that dangerous, and we can open up responsibly and get back to society. But it seems like some people, by proxy of whether they're doing an approved action, they can ignore the lockdown rules with no consequences. 
these are important things to figure out and I don't have all the answers. I don't know which of those two things it is, but it clearly can't be both at the same time. Unless this really is a double standard. And I don't know what to say about that. That's the first Lewis. The second Lewis is C.S. Lewis. And uh, he uh, is not alive anymore, of course. he's He's been gone for a while. Um, he was a veteran, a philosopher, a theologian, a writer, um, among many other things. And he viewed the human soul as the utmost important thing in, in all that we do and deal with. This view had implications to all facets of life, personal, work, church, politic. In his book, The Weight of Glory, he said, you've never met a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as a gnat. But the immortal is the one we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit sometimes. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. End quote. Every moment we spend with another person has an indelible value and a significance. And because I'm a follower of Jesus, this is the most important thing. As the church, open or closed, we must prioritize all we do in light of the eternality of those we encounter. People will let you down. People will make bad choices. And how we respond with the love and the light of God can and should change everything. I said at the beginning that... I believe you can change the world. And I believe that's true. I believe you can change the world with the truth of Jesus. His love, his light through you can make a difference. In this time of fear and closures and double standards and hurt and anger and bitterness, people are searching for hope, for peace. Out in the world, there can be no hope, no help, no peace. You cannot get it from these politicians. You cannot get it from these science experts. You cannot get it from other leaders. The only place you can find true hope, true help, true peace is in Jesus. He is your everlasting peace. I pray you find the peace of God that transcends all understanding, and that peace will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Until we meet again, God bless. Thanks for joining us today at Church Public. Please subscribe and rate. It really does help. If you like what you hear and you want to support, go to churchpublic.com for some of the options there. God bless, and we'll be talking soon.